One of the best ways to keep up with church life is through the City Life app. The City Life app enables you to listen to messages from Sunday, explore the Bible while listening to messages, stay up to date with church life through our Connect section, and much more. Download the City Life app in the App Store or Google Play Store today. Welcome to the City Life Podcast. We're all about making Jesus known. We pray these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus, who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. But today I'm continuing my Heroes series, and we're talking about a hero in the Bible by the name of Abraham. Abraham. Now, this is, now we're not talking about Abraham Lincoln. We're not talking about old Abe, honest Abe, or anything like that. I'm sure this, that Abraham was honest. But Abraham in the Bible, we don't know his last name, so we'll just call him Abe or Abraham. He, um, he, his story is in the book of Genesis. And I just really recommend, if you like reading the Bible, which I hope you do, that you'll just read his story. It starts right there in Genesis chapter 12 and goes for several chapters. You can read through it. I think that, in my opinion, the, the story of, of Abraham is one of the most riveting stories. It's, a, it's an epic type of story. Uh, Abraham is considered to be the ethnic father of both the Jews and the Muslims. We as Christians see, uh, see Abraham as our spiritual father and, and there's a lot of power associated with that. And, and, and really his story is quite amazing. If you take a step back and really think about it and look at his story, it's, it's a really amazing. See, he was called by God from his homeland where he lived to leave his homeland and to walk into this destiny. But it was all by faith because he had no idea what was ahead. God just said, go. Um, now, we also have to understand at this point in time, this point in history, the Bible had not yet been invented. There was no Bible. There was nothing. There were no prophets. There were no Ten Commandments. There were no preachers. There were no church services. And there was nothing. In fact, um, Abraham would have been a part of what was called the Sumerian religion, which was the ancient religion of the Fertile Crescent. Uh, you guys may recall studying about that in world history. Um, if you ever had to read Gilgamesh when you were in high school or college or anything like that, that was a story that was written out of that era. And, and you, even if you were to read Gilgamesh, you're going, okay, these people were really, really messed up. But, but it was a very, very different religion than the, uh, than the religion of, of Judaism or Christianity. That, uh, that he actually is, is the father of. So I want, you got to get this. What I'm talking about today, what I'm preaching about today is Abraham, a man who had no context for who God is and how God operates. But God spoke to him and God, by faith, he began to step out and do the things that were right. Um, you're going to notice also from our readings today, I don't want you to get freaked out, that, that you're going to see in the readings, in the scriptures, in, in Genesis 12, for the next few chapters, that he is called Abram, all right? Now, that is, that's not a different, uh, that's not, not a different person, that's actually him, that's kind of an earlier version of his name without going into detail here. Uh, God later changed his name to Abraham, so Abram is Abraham, and so the two are actually one person. But we're going to pick up on his colorful story in Genesis chapter 12, we're going to look at verse number one and start right there. Okay, here it is, the God's talking to Abraham, it says, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. That was the command of God. 
And so like, get up and go. Now, now here's something interesting. You're about ready to hear the blessing that God, that God spoke over Abraham, which is something that we receive upon our lives as the spiritual seed of Abraham, as, as the, the spiritual offspring, so to speak, of Abraham. Listen, it says, I will make you into a great nation or a great people, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and this is important, and you will be a blessing. This is where, where the, the principles established that any blessing that comes our way is for the purpose of us being a blessing, all right? So we are to be a blessing. That's where this comes from. Whenever we say we are to bless, it started right here, okay? You will be a blessing. He says, I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Well, how does that happen? Well, actually, Jesus Christ was in the lineage of Abraham, and, uh, and we also give Jesus away spiritually as well. So, so all peoples on earth are blessed through us as we even make Jesus known. Making Jesus known actually starts with this right here. It's kind of cool. This is actually a foundational scripture for so much of what we believe. And then it says, so Abram went as the Lord had told him, okay, and Lot went with him. Say that with me. And Lot went with him. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, this is where the interesting stuff starts to happen, really. Okay, now I want you to flip over uh, to Genesis 13, verse 5. Uh, so really what you're seeing there is the beginning of the story, this huge promise from God. And if he was willing to step out in faith and in love, that God would do amazing things. Now, as you go through the, the book of Genesis, starting in Genesis 12, there are actually several concurrent storylines there uh, of the story of Abraham in this epic. And, and we're, I'm only going to take one of those storylines because telling them all will take all day. But, but I want to talk about the storyline of Abraham and how he related to Lot and what actually happened there in that relationship because Lot was basically a tag-along. It didn't say that Lot was called or anything, but Lot just tagged along. And you're also going to see that Lot was blessed along with Abraham, uh, right alongside of him. But you're also going to see that Lot got himself into a lot of trouble. Uh, you know, if Lot had a last name, it would be of trouble, you know, lot of trouble, because that's, that's what he did. He was always in trouble. But, uh, but you're, I want you to tune in here because I want you to, to think and look and consider how Abraham deals with Lot. Because there are a lot of lessons in here on how to love people and how to deal with people even who let you down and deal with people who are even far from God. Okay, we pick up the story, Genesis chapter 13, verse 5. It says, Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. So he had plenty of stuff and it was growing. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot. So it's like the, the employees, I guess you could say, of the two guys, they're, they're, they were starting to fight with each other. And it says also, side note, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. And so Abram said to Lot, this is important, he says, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine. We're close relatives. And then he said, is not the whole land before you? Abe says, let's part company. And then he proposes something crazy. He says, Lot, if you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go to the left. So in other words, he's saying, I'm not going to 
fight with you. I don't want to fight with you. Lot, just choose which direction you want to go, and I'll go the other way because we're not enemies. We're relatives. Now, look at verse 10 in chapter 13. It says, So Lot looked around and saw the whole plain of Jordan towards Zoar, and it was well watered. So he's looking at this lush, well watered plain. <laughs> and it says, It was like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This is before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, which is hilly, rocky, mountainous, not very good land. And Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near a city called Sodom. Big change there. Okay, flip forward to Genesis chapter 14, verse 14, and hold your, spot, hold your place there. So, so basically, tag along Lot took advantage of Abraham uh, really in a huge way. Several years went by. Lot was living out in this lush plains. His business continued to boom and grow. And, and, but then Lot found himself kind of in the middle of some ugly wars and skirmishes between some of the neighboring nations and small little factions that were out there. And, then, and because Lot was living out there near Sodom, Lot was actually taken prisoner by one of the kings. And, uh, and they took all of his possessions and all of his people, everything. And it was simply because of where he lived. He was living out there near Sodom. So, so somebody sent word back to Abraham saying, hey, your nephew, Lot, your, your relative, he was taken captive. All right, now, remember, <laughs> this is Tagalong Lot, who had taken advantage of Abraham's generosity. What's getting ready to happen? Abraham says, you, you better leave me alone, because I am not going after him. No, that's not what he says. Some of you are going, yeah, get him. Okay, <laughs> Genesis chapter 14, verse 14. It says, when Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive. He called out the 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. In other words, he had his own private army. And he had 318 men that had been been, training him since they were born. And so they took off and they went in pursuit. It says, during the night, Abram divided his men to attack and he routed them, pursuing them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. And look at this. He recovered all the goods and brought brought back his relative, Lot, and his possessions together with the women and the other people. Now, this is quite amazing because you're seeing right here the raw boldness and the courage of Abraham. He showed mercy, and I'm telling you, huge mercy to Lot, and Lot didn't deserve it. See, Abraham chose to become the bigger person even after all that Lot had done to him, what he really even taken from him, taken advantage. You talk about loving your neighbor, that's, that's loving your neighbor. That's real, real love. See, Abraham was living out his faith, not just loving God, but he was loving his neighbor. But his love didn't just stop right there because he even loved his enemies, which were the people of Sodom. You know, we can tell from the scriptures, and when you read it, you're gonna see he doesn't really like the people of Sodom um, because 
after this whole thing, after he, he, he went and, and, and got all the stuff back from Lot, it wasn't just Lot, but it was all the, 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 the other surrounding areas, including Sodom. He brought the people back and all the possessions back to Sodom. So he was blessing those guys as well. And after he had retrieved all the people and possessions that had been stolen from Sodom, uh, when he was returning them to the king of Sodom, the, the king told Abraham, hey, you just go ahead and keep all the possessions. Just give me the people. And Abraham said, no, 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 no. He said, you're not going to do this to me. You see, Abraham knew how evil they were, and, and Abel, a- Abraham knew this. If he kept the payment, that it was going to be held over his head later on. They were going to say, see what we did for you? We made you rich. So Abraham said, I don't want anything from you guys, nothing. Here's all your stuff back. Now, it's, it's interesting, though, that there's another bunch of loot that Abraham had gotten. It was from the enemy that they had abandoned and they had left. And so Abraham actually took the, the other, uh, those other possessions and those became his just by the nature of war. And what he did is he took a tenth of those, uh, those possessions, those things he had gotten, and he gave a tenth to this, uh, he, he gave a tenth back to this, uh, uh, priest called Melchizedek. And, and so he gave a tenth really back to God. It was an offering to God that he gave. So now again, take a step back and think about this. Here you have Abraham showing faith, showing love, and even tithing before the Bible was written. It's amazing. See, this guy had the heart of God. And time continues to go by. Uh, It's obvious that the people of Sodom continue to grow worse and worse. Uh, Over the years then, Lot eventually moves into the city of Sodom. And we pick up his story again in Genesis chapter 18. Storyline picks up again there. I'm not going to read through it, but in Genesis 18, God tells Abraham at this point, uh, there are a couple of angels that came to him. One of them was actually the son of God, which would have been a a pre-incarnate manifestation of Jesus, came to him and and said, we are going to destroy the city of, of, of Sodom because of how wicked it has become. So what Abraham does then is Abraham appeals to God. <laughs> okay, you get that? I mean, who does that? Abraham is now appealing to God to not destroy those people. Abraham is now loving the people that he doesn't even like. (laughs) See, what he does is he asks God if he says, well, will you not destroy Sodom if there are 50 righteous in there? And God says, well, you know, if there are 50 righteous, then I won't destroy it. And then they're moving along, going toward the city. He goes, well, what if there's 45? Okay, God says, okay, I won't destroy it if there's 45. Well, this continues. You can read all about the whole conversation because then he goes to 40 and then starts jumping down to 30 and to 10. I mean, 30 and then 20 and then 10. So there were six different appeals and every time God said, okay, I won't destroy it if there are 10. Well, he stopped at 10. Abraham stopped right there at 10. And now I'll just have to say the whole thing was bold. The whole thing was courageous because he kept appealing to God these six different times. But then he stopped at the 10 people. And now we pick up in chapter number 19. Now chapter 19 of Genesis is probably one of the most colorful chapters of the entire Bible. Uh, I encourage you to, to include this in all of your reading because here the drama intensifies. Uh, come to find out when the two angels got there that there were only four people that were considered righteous in the city, which would have been Lot, his wife, and his two daughters. And then there's this dramatic interaction between Lot, the two angels, and the men of Sodom. And then the angels, they, they, they warned Lot that, they, hey, the city is going to be destroyed. And they literally said, get your family 
out now. And so at that moment, then Lot tried to get word to his future sons-in-law and, and tell them, hey, you know, they were pledged to marry, marry his two daughters. Hey, I want you to come with us. The city's going to be destroyed. And so they just mocked him. So you see, Lot's impact didn't even go to, the, to his future sons-in-law. They mocked him. They made fun of him. They're like, what kind of crazy man are you? Like, we're not going anywhere. We're staying right here. Well, the story goes on. Sodom was destroyed. Uh, Lot and his daughters made it out alive. Lot's wife was on her way out, but she ended up not surviving because she didn't obey what the angels had told them. She dies. A few verses later, Lot's story comes to an abrupt end. He made it out alive, but that's it. The tag-along, the taker, the manipulator. That's over for him. But God's still showing mercy. Well, Abraham's story, though, continues because Abraham's our model. And why? It's because he didn't just exist with his faith. He used his faith and he used his love. You know, I I say that, that Abraham was a man who was full of boldness. He was full of boldness because he had the ability to take risks with confidence. Abraham was a man of courage because he was not deterred by danger or pain. And he set out to rescue Lot. He appealed to God. I'm telling you, this guy was a generous giver. He was not a taker. Abraham Listen, Abraham became something because he boldly and courageously did something with his love. I'll say it again. (laughs) Abraham became something because he boldly and courageously did something with his love. It's the same for us. It works exact same today. See, we become something in our lives when we do something with our love. We become in our lives what we do with our loves. Come on, say it with me. We become in our lives what we do with our love. Guys, thinking nice thoughts about others, even people who have burned you, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to think nice thoughts about them. It doesn't do anything. God's looking for action. Today I'm challenging you to Follow Abraham's model and be bold and courageous. Help carry someone else's burden and load. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be giving you, really for a couple months or so, giving you a lot of different opportunities to do that. And today's, you know, I've told you about this. Today's really the first opportunity for us where we're talking about some stuff that's coming up. And, and uh, I don't want you just to say, well, I'll think about it. I'll just pray about it. You know, no, just, just you know, stop thinking. You know, what was Lot still doing? Thinking about the things he was going to do? No. Like, well, I'll pray about it. I, I did this one time. Someone told me they were going to pray. I told them, here, I, I want to challenge you with something. They said, well, I'll pray about it and get back with you. Well, about two years went by, and I went back and said, are you still praying about that? And they're like, what? Praying about what? What are you talking about? It's like, you're not praying about anything. You're not praying about anything. They said, don't, don't give me this thing. Well, I'm going to pray about it. Okay? Smile at me. Smile at me. Okay. Uh, I'm pastor. I'll pray about it. It's like, oh, stop it. You know, just give me a yes or a no, all right? But I'm asking you to, to just stop thinking considering, but just begin doing. It didn't take Abraham much to do. I'm telling you, whether it's giving toward the hurricane relief, whether it's going to this interest meeting for the youth to be involved in our new youth program, whether it's coming to the Vision Carriers Breakfast on Saturday of next week, just, just, just do it. Just jump in and do it. Another opportunity that we have, there's this huge event that's going to be happening at Texas Motor Speedway here in just a few weeks, and it's called Together 2018, and it's going to be happening. This is a huge event. It's going to be happening here in Fort Worth next month, 
Now, this event is going to, by far, be the largest Christian event ever in the Metroplex and, uh, and could potentially even be the largest Christian event this nation has ever seen. Together 2018, and the thing is, I want you to be a part. It's right here in our own hometown. Saturday, October 20. Saturday, October 20. Mark that date on your calendar and hold it there. In fact, there are some little cards that you guys should have gotten today. I want you to pull one of those out and take it with you. Don't leave it here. But that's about the, the Together 2018 event. This, and I, just ask, I just encourage everyone to go. I really encourage you to go. But, but beyond going, I'm actually going to ask some of you to serve. Now, before we do that, I just want you to take a little look at, uh, at their, their just one of their many promo videos just to kind of get a glimpse of what this is going to look like. Largest stadium in the state of Texas is in our own hometown. They're coming here. And um, Together 18 is going to be a massive training event for reaching this generation. That's why I want you to be a part. Some amazing speakers that I love and worship artists and bands that I love. Um, but there's also a need for volunteers. Um, the, the director of the volunteers has to recruit, oh my, I think it was like 1,800 volunteers to help host the event. And, and, but the, but the volunteer choir said, so what's your greatest need? A volunteer coordinator who's a friend of mine, she said, well, the greatest need is I need some people who are just, who are just like dependable, um, who are go-getters, who are, who are just sharp and, and can, and can just be really, really responsible. I need them to work with the Compassion International Group. It's called Compassion now. I want you, they need to be able to work with them because we need some people who can be leaders and runners and help to do some of the, some of the stuff on that day. It's only about a three or four hour time period we're going to need those volunteers. But I need some, some good Fort Worth people who can just jump in and do it. I said, well, our church is full of them. So uh, I already volunteered you. The way for you to say yes, I accept the volunteerism is to pull out the app again and just click the little thing that says uh, Together 2018 and register, and then Colby will be back in touch with you. There's also a sign-up table at the back right there, and we have a happy waving person, whoever I can't say. All I see is a white hand waving. So, uh, But go back there, and you can also sign up there and, uh, and be a part of the volunteerism. Um, why do we care? Well, why do we care? I mean, why can't we just go to church on Sunday and sing a few songs and maybe feel lift your hands and, and you know, listen to a nice little sermon and go home and live our lives. Why? It's because faith and love demand action. See, it's actually foundational to Christianity that, that we must help share the load with others. Paul said it this way. He said, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. 
Whose burdens are you helping to carry? Are you, are you willing to serve unconditionally, expecting nothing else in return? In fact, who will you even bring to church with you? Where will you serve in your church? Here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. Be bold and courageous. Be bold and courageous. Love till it hurts and then keep on loving. My friend, that's the best way to live. Abraham did it and his legacy lives on. It speaks for itself and we are his spiritual children. Lot didn't and we're not his spiritual children. His legacy died. See, these stories in the Old Testament, they're, they're stories that we're actually supposed to learn from and, 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 uh, and learn from the, the, the successes and the failures. And the truth is, some people strive so hard to try to measure up and do all the things that, that Christianity says you should do and obey all the rules. When God is saying, really, here's what I want. I just simply want you to do love. If you'll do that, then all of the other stuff is going to begin to work itself out. It's going to flow naturally. Paul said this well. He said, he said spoke, speaking of love, love. He, he said, let no debt remain outstanding. In other words, let me just, because uh, I know you're thinking about money, but it's, it's much broader than that. That means you d- don't have anything out there where you owe somebody anything. You don't need to owe anybody anything, but there's one thing you need to owe and owe all the time. He says, accept the continuing debt to love one another for whoever, oh, look at this. Whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Then he goes into explaining. He said the commandments. He goes, you know them. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't covet. And whatever other commandment there may be. And so he just kind of opens it up. He says they're all summed up with this one command. One command. Love your neighbor as yourself because love does no harm. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of of the law. Now, strangely enough, you would think, well, if you go back to the Old Testament, you're not going to see this happening. No, you actually do, because Abraham is our model for this. He lived this before there was a Bible, before there were prophets, before there were preachers, before there were commandments. He lived this. He never had this attitude of, well, you hurt me, and so I'm going to show you. I'm going to hurt you. He never even expected any kind of a payback from Lot for anything, even the king of Sodom, for nothing. What he did is he blessed them, He blessed them, even though Lot took advantage of him. So are you willing to bless those who might even be taking advantage of you, people maybe who are even close to you? Are you willing to do that for people that you don't even know? How deep really is your love? How deep is your love? How deep is your love? Barry Gibb from the Bee Gees asked that same question several years ago. Some of you were already thinking about that. You're like, how deep is your love? How deep is your love? I know you're already feeling it, you know, because I really need to learn. Come on, let's just all sing it together. Because we're living in a world of fools breaking us down when we all should let us be. Okay, we're going to stop right there because the rest of it, the theology goes bad. But no, we're not going to move into staying alive. That, that's, that's, not, that's not the plan here. No, no, because I just don't feel led. All right, I have to pray about that one. But I'm telling you, like it's kind of interesting. I was looking at those lyrics and and because as I was writing the sermon, I wrote down "How deep is your love?" and I went, "Ooh, that's a song." And 
I looked at it, but it says, they said, I think it's interesting. It says we're living in a world of fools. It's like, you know, we kind of are, <laughs> but we keep on loving. And some of you, you're looking for direction, looking for purpose in your life. But I want to tell you, you can find it because nothing has changed since the days of Abraham because we become in our lives what we do with our love. Say it again. We become in our lives what we do with it. Come on, say it again. We become in our lives what we do with our love. Yeah, of course, love God, but also love your neighbor and even love your enemies. Abraham had the courage to love. He had the boldness to love, and he put everything on the line to love. How much do you really love people is my question. How, how are you willing to risk and to, to demonstrate love? What, what will you risk? Abraham was willing to risk getting God angry at him for defending Sodom. And could it, it may have even been that I, I was thinking, why did he do that? I don't know, but, but maybe he was even doing it just, just out of defending Lot. Maybe he was just thinking, you know, if Sodom gets destroyed, Lot's business is destroyed and his property and his livelihood will all be gone. And I don't know if that's, the, I don't want that for, for my nephew. I don't know. But bottom line, he's, he defended Sodom. But what I do know is that as I looked at the story, I, I, I was just, I, I saw this whole character Lot in a whole new light. You know, Lot was literally sitting in the city gates when the angels approached the city. What did that mean? That meant that Lot was a leader, a respected leader in the community. Lot was also a highly respected business person. That's where the leadership and the business affairs of the community happened. And he was the first to recognize these men and went out to meet them. In other words, Lot was very active in commerce, very active in leadership and business. But he was present in the business culture, but he was not spiritually active within that same culture. He was a man of faith in that culture, but he wasn't making an impact. See, that's the bad, bad example. I mean, even to his own sons-in-law, he wasn't making an impact. I mean, Lot, guys, read it on your own, but Lot was so jacked up that he even tried to strike a deal with these men who were banging on his doors trying to have sex with the angels, and he offered his own daughters for them to molest. That's messed up. And God still rescued Lot? <laughs> wow. I've heard it said, well, what was the evil of, of Sodom? What I did is I, I read every passage in the scripture relating to Sodom, preparing this. And honestly, what I found is the sin of Sodom, the evil of Sodom was that it was a place where love was practically non-existent. It really was. Selfishness and pride and every type of evil associated with that flourished instead. Look at what God says to his people. God speaks this over Jerusalem. He says, now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. This is years later, speaking like they were sister cities in a sense. It says, she and her daughters, meaning the other small communities surrounding Sodom, she and her daughters were, here, here it is, they were arrogant. They were, now, now this doesn't sound anything like today's world, okay? They were arrogant overfed and unconcerned. Whoa. 
thought it was because those guys wanted to have sex with the angels. Hold on, there's, there's a whole lot more than that. That's not even listed here, interestingly enough. It says they were, they did not help the poor and the needy. They were haughty and they did detestable things before me. The, the picture of Sodom is the image of a loveless society. And Lot made no impact on it. Yeah, but there was a lot of sex going on, but sex doesn't equal love. So, what does your life look like? Does it look like that of Sodom or Lot or Abraham? I mean, are, are you living for yourself, lacking love? Or are you establishing your legacy, the legacy of a bold, courageous life of love? Are you willing to help people? Are you willing to rescue people? Do you realize that, that we actually, this is amazing, we actually keep ourselves in the love of God by loving other people? Do you know that? Is, is this, we do it by serving others and showing mercy to others and, and rescuing others from hell. It's really clear. It's in the book of Jude. It says, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. That means in this life, you need to keep yourself in the love of God. Now, how do you do that? It says, be merciful to those who doubt. Awesome. Save others by snatching them from the fire. And to others, show mercy mixed with fear. In other words, you're gonna show mercy mixed with fear, but you're gonna be really, really careful to not indulge in what they're doing, you see? Pretty beautiful, awesome. That's what we get to do. See, we remain in God's mercy when we give mercy. That's one of the reasons why the, the church always, it's an obligation for us as the church to offer ministry opportunities. That's why I'm always saying invite people to church. It's to live this out because it's what we call love. And we love even when we don't feel like it. And you need, and you need to love people even when they don't deserve it. That's why around here we like to take action on our sermons instead of just thinking happy thoughts. And it's true. I mean, we are a congregation who does that. We, I love the fact that this church is the one that says, you know what, I'm going to take action on this. I'm not just going to sit and have, oh, that's a happy little summon pasta. You know, it's just like, no, go talk in British somewhere else. You know, all right? We don't, I don't, I don't want to just give you good and happy feelings. I want us to be inspired to do something to change the world and to stay in the love and mercy of God ourselves. All right? Remember this. We become in our lives what we do with our love. Say it with me. We become in our lives what we do with our love. Who are you going to become? What will you become? What will you do today with the love and the heart of God that's already in you? Like there'd be no movement at this time. I'd love for you to close your eyes and just focus internally because I believe the Holy Spirit's speaking to many of you. Please no movement at this time as we're moving forward, but you might be here today and you've never really surrendered your life completely to Jesus. Possibly you've strayed from him. You've moved away from him and, and uh, the heart of God isn't even there in you. But if, if you want to know the Jesus that I preach and teach about, if you want to know him, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond very simply by lifting your hand. Because faith is when we, you, you respond outwardly to what's stirring on the inside, knowing this, Jesus loves you, and he loves you more than you can imagine. He died for you so that you can have life and life to the full, and today it's time for you to live again. If you want to be included, included in my closing prayer, make Jesus Christ 
Lord of your life. Surrender your life completely to him. And at the count of three, I want you to lift your hand so we can pray together. Will you do that? One, two, three. Lift your hand. That's me, Pastor. That's me. That's me. I want to connect my faith with yours. Thank you so much. Here's what I want us to do. I want you to stand with me. And if if you lifted your hand, I want you, along with this entire group of believers, I want you to pray these words with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Come on, say it. I believe you're the son of God. Today I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. It's time for me to live. I want to move forward with courage and devotion to God. I want to have boldness. I want to love like you love. I want to have the heart of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's message. You know, City Life Church, we are all about developing followers of Jesus who influence and shape culture. And it's possible that you are even feeling a a shift that is coming in your life, or possibly deep down inside you feel called to something more, and City Life might be a part of that future. Let me tell you, Launch Sunday is the big event that's coming up, and it's happening on February 10th, 2019. And if you'd really like to be a part of what God is doing in downtown Fort Worth through City Life Church, I'm asking you to go and visit our website at citylifefw.org and click the launch button. Uh, You could also just come and visit one of our services because I I really believe the future is bright and it's limitless in potential. I want you to hear my vision. I want you to be a part of what God is doing at City Life and come and chat with me personally after one of the services.